0: Hey, it's Jordan. We'll open up the Chill Factory in about 15 seconds. Wouldn't it be great to have a couple or five or 10 fast acting and effective stress reduction techniques ready when you need them? That's what the 45 minute Quick Calm video session gives you. And at the end of this episode, I'll give you a discount code for Quick Calm so you can bust stress for less.
1: If you were willing to proceed on a path knowing that it may or may not work, but it's definitely not going to work if you don't do it. To me, that is a person of high character, and I really respect that.
0: Welcome to The Chill Factory, where we make work, school, relationships, and life less stressful. I'm Jordan Friedman. Do you have a long-range plan for your work, your education, your family, your life? And if you do, how's it going, and is it difficult to stick with? I'm asking because long-range planning can reduce stress, and it can even make our lives more fulfilling and exciting. And I'm guessing the answer to that question is, no, you don't have a long-term plan. Sure, you have ideas about what you'd like to be doing and where you'd like to be in the future, but you don't have a strategy for how to get there. And this is because most of us don't even have time to think We're so busy meeting deadlines and rushing to meetings and getting food for dinner. We know we're supposed to have long-term plans, but we never end up playing the long game. And that's where the stress comes in. We're in luck because my amazing guest in the Chill Factory is going to shine a bright light on what long-term planning really means, why it's important to do, how it can reduce stress and boost success, and how to stick with a long-term plan, something that's really challenging to do. Dory Clark is the Wall Street Journal best-selling author of Entrepreneurial You, Reinventing You, Stand Out, which Inc. Magazine said was the number one leadership book of the year, and her current bestseller, The Long Game. Dory helps individuals and companies get their best ideas heard in a crowded, noisy world. She's a keynote speaker, and she teaches for Duke University's Fuqua School of Business and Columbia Business School. Dory is a graduate of Harvard's Divinity School, a producer of a multi-Grammy award-winning jazz album, a Broadway investor... And her own long game has netted her millions of followers and fans. This is part one of my conversation with Dory. Part two will be the next episode. I asked her to begin by reading the very end of the introduction in the long game because it so nicely sets up our discussion.
1: Intellectually, we all know that lasting success takes persistence and effort. And yet so much of our culture pushes us toward doing what's easy, what's guaranteed, and what looks glamorous in the moment. The long game is intended to be a clarion call on behalf of long-term thinking. It's a practical toolkit that shows you, in those darkest moments of doubt, how to keep prioritizing what matters most, doing small things over time to achieve your goals, and being willing to keep at them even when they seem pointless, boring, or hard. Those are the choices that set you apart. It's blogging when no one reads your blog to test ideas and create an audience. It's taking the Toastmasters class when it seems like no one cares what you have to say to become a more effective presenter. It's going to networking events when you feel like the least accomplished person in the room to gain new insights and contacts. You can't perceive a difference after a week or a month or often even a year. Big goals may seem, and frankly are, impossible in the short term, but what few realize is that with small methodical steps taken day after day almost anything is attainable and frequently sooner than you might imagine so let's start playing the long game
0: dory clark thanks so much for coming by the chill factory
1: hey jordan i'm so glad to talk with you
0: dory you can and have talked about a lot of different topics why did you decide to talk about long-term planning through the long game?
1: I was really inspired, Jordan, in a lot of ways because I, a number of years ago, started doing a lot of executive coaching, you know, working, working one-on-one with professionals, and so often in the course of our meetings— I actually felt like it was kind of my job in some ways, which was demoralizing to be the bad guy because people would come in you know, every two weeks or however often we were meeting and they'd give me the, the sort of recitation of what they'd been working on. And then they'd say, so what now? What next? And <laughs> they wanted me to tell them, oh, well, now you do Instagram, that's the thing. Or, oh, now you need to start a podcast. And they really kind of wanted to hear some new instruction because I I think there's something comforting about that. Like, oh, okay, we've got these steps and we're gonna do these steps and this is the new thing that's gonna that's gonna be great. This is gonna blow everything open. But so often instead what I told them, what I had to tell them was, um, you know, you just keep doing the thing we talked about. We made a plan, right? So you need to keep going at the plan. And I felt a little bit like a broken record, but it was true. Because I didn't want to waste people's time, and I didn't want them to be diverting their energy, which is exactly what would happen if you, you know, kept doing a new thing every month. And I realized that one of the more important messages that I thought I needed to get out there and to kind of be an advocate and an ambassador for was just the fact that so often, even though it is annoying AF, and I am well aware of that, we just have to be incredibly persistent at doing the strategic goals that we've set out. And it's only by doing that that we're actually able to obtain the the goals that we want.
0: And just hearing you say that, I completely get it intellectually. And at the same time, it made me feel a little stressed. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to try and work through that here. Um, But this show, of course, is here to help people chill. And I wonder how strategies that you talk about as part of the long game, as part of long-term planning, how do you think those strategies or just long-term planning itself helps people chill to feel more
1: relaxed? Well, I think it depends which side of the coin you're looking at, right? Because on the other hand, Jordan, I mean, you can imagine it might be, exhausting for people to feel like, oh gosh, you know, every two weeks, every month, I've got to try a new thing. I've got to find the new thing. On one hand, it it might, you could read it as feeling hopeful, like, oh, you know, the new innovation is just around the corner. If only I try this. But in reality, if you actually take, take it in for what it is rather than the hope of what it is, the idea of, you know, mastering some new process, you know, having to immerse yourself in some completely new thing that you're doing, that really is exhausting. That, that would be a frenetic pace of business. What is less sexy, but actually, I, th- I think at a fundamental level, you could read as much more relaxing and sustainable is just, you know what? Come up with a plan. Don't actually change that plan for a set amount of time, you know, let's, depending on what type of a plan it let's call it every six months or every year, or at least until something um, substantive in the environment changes. I mean, obviously, if there's a dramatic change, like, oh, it's a pandemic, you might have to change your strategy. But in general, just set it aside and don't worry about it. You don't have to keep doing different things like somebody doggy paddling across a river. It's just a question of kind of keeping at the thing that you're doing at a steady pace and not letting boredom keep you from executing what you need to do. And I think there actually is something quite comforting in the idea that, you know what, if I literally just keep doing the thing that I've said I'm going to do, there's a disproportionate chance that I'm going to get the result that I want.
0: You have to believe in yourself and the process.
1: Yes, that is is absolutely true. And, you know, there, I think part of why I talk about strategic thinking and and being strategic as a matter of character, which I really believe it is, is that you also have to face the fact that there's no guarantees in life. I mean, if if there were, obviously just about everybody would do it. You know, you'd really have to be a screw-up <laughs> to, like, choose not to do something where it's like, you have a guaranteed outcome, right? But... You know, I think if we want to be the kind of people that I think most of us actually want to be, you know, the kind of people who strive for things, the kind of people who accomplish things, who who are able to make a meaningful difference, you know, whatever that looks like to you, it means being willing to recognize that nothing is guaranteed in life, but you're going to give it your best go. And if you are willing to do that, if you are willing... To proceed on a path knowing that it may or may not work, but it's definitely not going to work if you don't do it, to me, that is a person of high character, and I really respect that.
0: Are there foundational strategies or must-dos when we're thinking about long-term planning or the long game?
1: I think in some ways there are fewer of them than we might imagine or worry about. You know, to the point, Jordan, about are there ways that we can kind of, you know, dial this down a notch and, and sort of remove some of the stress. I think a lot of the reason that I hear from some people that they are not engaging in long-term thinking or long-term planning is they feel like it is this kind of portentous process that requires, you know, oh, well I'm going to have to sit down and I'm going to have to map out, you know, A, B, and C and D and and you know, on and on and on. And they think that it's this very formal process that they need to undertake. And actually what I really want to encourage people to recognize is that it's not so much of a of a process with a capital P, you know, I think I think sometimes the corporate world um, has sort of polluted our understanding, like, you know, oh, we're, we're in a strategic thinking process now. Really, it's just about having a different lens through which to look at your life. And it can be something as, as informal, frankly, as, you know, what do you want your life to look like in 20 or 30 years? What do you want to be doing more of? What do you want to be doing less of? Who do you want to be doing it with? Where do you want to live? You know, who are, one of my favorite questions, who are you jealous of? (laughs) <laughs> you know, who is it that when you look at them and you're like, damn, I wish I could do that, or wow, he really has it figured out. When you look at those people, that's a really great sign for you of like, oh, there's something there. There's something you're really interested in. There's something you really respect. And so I think that that is kind of a breadcrumb you can follow.
0: And you talk in the book quite a bit about this being a learning process. Yeah. Yeah. An incredible learning opportunity and what you can take in and discover along the way.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I, I think another pressure that people kind of needlessly put on themselves is that they, they somehow believe that they have to, quote unquote, get it right, whatever that means. That, you know, people say, but what if I pick the wrong goal? Like it's, you know, the worst thing you could ever do. I, what if I pick the wrong goal? And my answer is you could change it. <laughs> it's, really, it's really okay to do that. In fact, if you have a goal and somehow you get new information or the circumstances change, then it's, it's the right thing to change it. I mean, what, what I would like to, to believe, and I think is true, is that having the goal is useful because it propels you in a certain direction. And it doesn't mean that you're stuck forever down a certain path. But it does mean that you are presumably taking steps that bring you closer to a type of outcome that you want, but you can pivot. And if you, you know, let's say you've decided, oh, I want to be a, you know, a talent agent in Hollywood or something like that. And so, you know, you, you take some steps, you know, you're, you're whatever, working in the William Morris mail room and you suddenly decide, oh, this is awful. I don't want to do this. But, There was something, obviously, that was appealing to you about Hollywood. So now, guess what? You're actually in Los Angeles. You're closer to all of this. You've probably gotten a chance to learn more about the industry. And so you're in a far better position that even if you don't want to be a talent agent anymore, you probably have contacts. You probably uh, can see a little bit more and you say, well, you know what? Maybe I'd actually like to become a director which means I need to leverage some of the people that I've met so that I could try to get a job working on a set so I could, you know, learn some elements or, you know, oh, maybe I can have somebody write a recommendation letter to me so I can get into an MFA program in directing. But you're making smarter, more refined moves based on the quote-unquote erroneous move that you made previously. So, you know, is it really erroneous or is it actually just a step in the direction of refining better what you do want to do.
0: Hmm. And this flexibility that you talk about, that is stress reducing, right? You're saying that this is not you on a railroad track. It's you on a road because you can't really switch very easily when you're on a track because then you're going to derail and slide down a ravine. But on a road, you can... Take a different route. You can go on a slower highway. You can do something faster. You can make stops along the way.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a great that's a great metaphor. I think that's exactly right. Um, to use a, a sort of parallel construction, Jeff Bezos, who is a really wonderful long-term thinker, who in the corporate world sort of stands out for the long-term thinking that he's applied at Amazon when he was running it day to day. Um, he has a framework where he talks about um, one-way doors and two-way doors. And, you know, the good news is that the vast majority, I mean, almost every decision that you make has a two-way door. If you walk in a room and you suddenly decide, you know, this isn't the right place, you can walk right out and it's okay. You know, you take a, you take a job and it's not it's not good. You don't like it. I mean... You might feel like it's the end of the world quitting your job, but I promise you, it really is not. You can quit the job and it's okay. In life, there's really only a handful of, of things that are truly one-way doors. You know, if you if you decide to have a kid, that's kind of a one-way door. You're always, however it shakes out, you are always going to be responsible for that kid, whether they're five years old or they're 50 years old. That's a one-way door. But when it comes to our careers literally almost everything is a two-way door.
0: And long-term plans, getting from here to there, requires a couple of things, patience and commitment. And I know you hate or hated that first one, patience. So I'm wondering if you have guidance for how to stick with
1: it. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, certainly I was probably the world's most impatient kid. I really didn't like uh, all of the restrictions on what you can do when you're a kid. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to like vote. I wanted to start a business. Everybody's like, no, you can't do that. I'm just like, excuse me. Like, why is it okay to violate people's civil rights like this? I mean, you're like, I mean, seriously, you can get me going on a... On a whole jag here, but anyway, yeah, you just have to, you know, wait until you're legally an adult. And so, I, oh boy, I relished it when I when I was and finally could do things. But
0: listen up, kids. This is great inspiration <laughs> to uh, get involved, even if you can't quite vote yet. You can still be involved.
1: That's right. That's right, Jordan. Exactly. I mean, there's there's lots of uh, there's lots of important things we can do, but um. Anyway, wait, what was the question? <laughs> I get derailed.
0: <laughs> the, the question was, okay, so so how did you do this as a kid and how should we do it? How can we stick with a plan once we make it and, of course, change it? How do we deal with these foes of patience and commitment?
1: Right. Thank you. Patience, exactly. So what I came to realize is... We do a lot better, I would say, in general, in life, the more we actually face reality and deal with reality rather than just trying to uh, project our, uh, our wishes onto the world about how we want it to be. And what I realized is, you know, patience is extremely annoying. It would be much better for all of us if we could kind of instantly get the things we wanted. That would be great. But the truth is... It really just does not work that way. And especially does not work that way for the most important goals, you know, what we want our lives to look like, what we shape, what we create. And many people are not willing to put themselves out there and sort of, you know, make the sacrifice that's necessary to pursue something over time. And so what I realized is even even if I don't love doing it. It's important enough to me to be able to just put that aside and say, all right, I'm dealing with reality. And the reality is that things do take time. And so even if we're we're having to, you know, plug away, even if you get turned down or rejected sometimes, there's almost always another way. We We often tend to think there's one way to accomplish something, but almost always, if you dig a little bit, there's two or three or five or 10 different ways that you can accomplish something. And you actually, in many ways, earn the outcome by your willingness to do the yeoman's work of taking the time to say, all right, well, what's another way? What's another strategy? It's like, the, the to a certain extent, the universe is like, well, how much do you want it? Let's see. Let's test you. And uh, and that's that's how you can get there. And so I developed a a framework that I call strategic patience to kind of separate it out because so often when we talk about patience culturally, it's it's sort of this thing like it's almost like people telling you to sort of shut up and stop bothering them. Like, just be patient. You know, just, well, you know, you can't have it now. Sorry. Just be patient, Jordan.
0: It will come.
1: (laughs) That's right. And so it's almost... It's almost like, the you know, people are telling you, oh, just sit back and wish and, like, good things will happen. And I don't necessarily believe that. I'm much more in the school of, you know what, if good things are going to happen, probably it's because you make them happen. And I think actually that's, you know, while it is true that, that luck can strike and that is always a wonderful bonus when it does, I think that it's actually a much more empowering worldview to really believe I can – make things happen I have autonomy I have some degree of control in the world and I, I think that's a, just a much better thing for us to focus on if we're talking about how to reduce stress and feel better you know as as you know Jordan better than I do uh, one of the one of the most stress reducing things is to increase our sense of autonomy that we actually have control over our circumstances and so as I think about strategic patients it is simultaneously understanding that things take time, even if we don't like that, but also recognizing, you know what, I don't have to be a victim of that. And I don't have to just sit back and, you know, oh, maybe, you know, maybe things will happen. You can make things happen. You can create hypotheses. You can test things. You can be connecting with people. You can be running experiments. You can be trying a lot of things that actually can help or hasten potentially that that process of things happening.
0: My conversation with the amazing Dory Clark continues in the next episode of The Chill Factory. For now, we'll put her full bio and more of her resources in the episode notes, including a link to the free long-game strategic thinking self-assessment. Helping helps reduce stress, which is why I want to give you a quick update on our Calm for Ukraine initiative. Many of you have supported this project, which brings free, translated, and customized stress relief resources to Ukrainians and those helping them. You can still be part of our Calm for Ukraine team by letting your networks know about the project and donating funds to keep the work going, because sadly, Ukrainians are going to need stress relief and mental health support for a long time. Here's a really quick example of how your help can make a meaningful and instantaneous difference. One of our guests here on The Chill Factory, the great Kathy Caprino, kindly shared the Calm for Ukraine project with her social media followers. Thirty minutes later, I got an email from a volunteer in Denmark who is working at a center that's providing shelter and support to 64 Ukrainian women and children. She both donated to the project and was really excited to share these stress relief resources with the Ukrainians at her center. All that from just one post to LinkedIn. Thank you, Kathy. Fundraiser.com slash calm Ukraine, that's F U N D R A Z R.com slash calm Ukraine, is the place to go to help out with the calm for Ukraine initiative. And we'll also put this information in the episode notes. And here's that special coupon code I promised you for the Quick Calm video session, which teaches you 10 effective and fast-acting stress reduction techniques, including Quick Calm, which is the most popular stress reducer I teach. Just go to QuickCalm.net and enter the coupon code SUMMER at checkout. The first 25 listeners to do so will receive 40% off the Quick Calm video workshop. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. There's more information and resources at thechillfactory.net. And you can also leave us a question or voicemail there. Just look for the blue tab on the right side of any site page. And if there's something you've heard here on The Chill Factory that you think will help someone in your life, we'd love it if you shared an episode or the podcast with them. And subscribe or follow The Chill Factory so you'll know when new episodes are available. And as philosopher, writer, and composer Jean-Jacques Rousseau said, patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet.